we are continuing in our uh, Advent series of the, the royal names of the Messiah, of the child, and today we will be focusing on the wonderful Counselor. And before we go to Isaiah 9, chapter, chapter 9, verse 6, I wanted to just kind of identify what we mean by Counselor and what Scripture means by Counselor. A lot of times, I think, at least in my mind, when we think of counsel or a counselor, we think of a therapist uh, or some type of setting like that. And that certainly is a part of what the text means by counselor, but there's there's a little bit more going on there. Uh, A counselor in the Old Testament times was a specific title. It was a role that someone could have kings and leaders would surround themselves with a council or with counselors and these were wise men and women who uh, the king or the leader trusted who would advise them in certain areas kind of like the president has the cabinet Uh, it's just it's people that the king knows well trusts well trusts their intelligence and the information that they have and he it asks them questions and they bring him information. And so uh, a counselor is a very powerful position, but it's a very behind the scenes position. Um, they are often in the ear of the king, and the ki- though it is often usually the, the words of the kings that are spoken, it's uh, the, the ideas and the knowledge of the counselors, the advisors that is being spoken. And so for us today, we surround ourselves with a council as well. Sometimes intentionally, other times uh, unintentionally. And there are many people, many things, many voices that are speaking into our lives, whether we know it or not. These things and these people can be good. But because of the reality of living in a fallen world, many times the natural voices and the natural input that we are receiving are sinful ones, are evil ones. And that is why we need the wonderful counselor. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a story that really vividly puts this in my mind uh, from Lord of the Rings. Now, I will confess my knowledge of Lord of the Rings is purely movie-based. I have not read the books. I think that makes me a poser, but that's okay. I'm just going off of the movies. Um, And I was corrected on one thing I said from the early service, so I apologize if it's not completely uh, correct. But the the story is of King Theoden, who I believe is the king of, of Rohan, Um, And he was at one point an ally to the good guys, um, someone that that was trusted, but he was um, put under spell or put under the power of Saruman, who is the evil character, represents the evil or the sinful side. And because of that, because of that spell he's put on, um, sitting at the right hand at the throne of King, of, the, of King Theoden, was kind of a, a snaky, grimy looking character that's always leaning over and whispering in his ear. And he's planting ideas and he's planting thoughts and these ideas and these thoughts are eventually what the king speaks 
Um, and he's the, uh, the, the, I think his name is Grima or Grima or something like that. Um, every, the things that he's saying are deceptive. And he's telling him that the good guys are his enemies and that his enemies are actually the good guys. And so he's completely under this spell. And if you look at Theoden, he is hunched over. His hair is almost falling out. His face is white. It almost looks like dried, cracked mud. And he just looks like he's on death's doorstep uh, because of this council that has uh, laid his grasp to him. And so the good guys come in, led by Gandalf, who is the character that represents good or righteousness. And through a lot of movie theatrics, he essentially casts out this spell and casts out this, this advisor to reveal truth, the truth of, of righteousness or good. And you see, he compl- after he, he convulses, but then you see he completely changes. His face returns to a fleshy pink color. His hair is restored. His eyes are opened. And he's able to look around and see the world for the truth that it is. He sees his, his niece, his beloved niece, who he had essentially abandoned, but he sees her again for the first time. Uh, and he see, because of the truth that is now enabling him, he's able to see that his advisor was bad, and he casts him out from his presence. And this is just a beautiful illustration of what Christ came to do. Because of sin, we are held captive by sin. We are held captive by a deceptiveness that distorts truth. And we believe the things that are good for us are bad, and the bad are good. And we don't have this grasp of reality. We are under complete bondage. But that's what Christ came to do, to free us from that bondage. And to give us his spirit, the very spirit of truth, to reveal the world to us and save us. And so this is the role in which Jesus, this name Wonderful Counselor, that Jesus is playing. Now for the disciples, Jesus was their counselor. He walked with them, he talked with them, he taught them, um, as he, and, and so they had him. But Jesus is in heaven. He ascended into heaven. So, but he said he would send his spirit. That's the passage we read from John chapter 14, in which he says, I will send another helper, which is his spirit that comes from he and the Father. And this is the spirit of truth. And the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And it is, it is in this role that the Holy Spirit The Spirit of Jesus is our wonderful counselor. So let's go ahead and read our text with this in mind. Isaiah chapter 9, I'm just going to read verse 6. Hear the good news. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would cause your spirit to reveal truth to us. I pray that you would speak to us 
with your word, your very written word. I pray that you'd open our ears and soften our hearts so we would not simply hear your word, but we would receive it this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So as our advisor, we receive many benefits, but I'm going to highlight just three of the major ways in which we benefit as having Jesus as our wonderful counselor. And we know this, the benefits is that Jesus knows us, Jesus loves us, Jesus transforms us. So as I've, I've done in the past, uh, just uh, I was a psychology undergrad. Um, I'd wanted to be a counselor, so counseling has always kind of been at the forefront of my mind. And I've always looked and done searches to see what makes a good counselor, what people look for in a counselor that make, that make them able to, to trust. And there's kind of two major themes that come up amongst other things, but the first one is, that, uh, is this idea of empathy. Someone who knows me, knows what I'm going through, or has an ability to understand what I am experiencing. Uh, and so this is this idea to be known. And the other was authenticity. We want to know that someone is truly listening, truly speaking to us, not just following a script, not just taking up the time until the hour's over, or maybe not even trying to manipulate us, but genuinely knowing, caring, and wanting to give advice, to give good counsel. Anyway, you can think about that. Think about the people in your life that you hold in high regard, whose opinion you hold high. It's people that you know, know you well, and who genuinely know you well. If, if it's someone that I don't trust or that I know doesn't have any idea what I've been going through, their, their advice or their word is not going to carry as much weight. And so this is one of the things that we can take great comfort in is that Jesus knows us very well. As far as his empathy, Jesus walked in our shoes. Jesus came as a man. He lived in a frail body. He experienced hunger. He experienced loneliness. He experienced extreme abandonment. He even experienced death. Jesus knows what it's like to die. There's nothing that he's experienced that we will. He has walked in our shoes. Jesus has experienced great loss of loved ones. One of the most powerful verse in the Bible is two words. Jesus wept. Jesus is with the family of Lazarus just after Lazarus had, had died, and this is a family that he loved very dearly, and he wept with his sisters, he, he, with, with Lazarus' sisters. He experienced great grief and shared emotion over death and over loss. And so God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, experiences and has experienced what we struggle with. But even beyond that, Jesus knows us very, very deeply. The Holy Spirit who, who comes from the Father and the Son 
We know that the Bible tells us that God knows us so deeply, so intimately, that he knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows absolutely everything about us. The good, the bad, the secrets. In fact, God knows us better than we even know ourselves. So much so that part of this knowledge that Jesus has for us is that through his spirit, the Bible tells us that there are times that the Holy Spirit will actually pray on our behalf. That the Holy Spirit knows more about what we need than we do and actually prays to the Father on our behalf. And this is kind of this this idea that a lot of times why we surround ourselves with, with wise counsel is that there are times when we need to be told things that we're missing. There are times when your closest friends and spouses and, and, and family know what's better for you than you do yourself. And Jesus knows everything about us. He knows us very, very deeply. But beyond that, we know that Jesus deeply loves us as well. Now, when you think of love, usually the first kind of idea that pops into your mind is the emotion of love. Experiencing love for a spouse, experiencing love for children, experiencing love for friends. And that is a a big part of love, but that's only a part of it. One of my responsibilities here at Highlands is to do premarital counseling for couples that want to get married either here or, or with some of the pastors. And if you've done premarital counseling with me, you've heard me say this, that love is a choice. Love is, is most often a decision that you have to make. Uh, and, and many times in marriage and in all relationships, there will be times when we have to choose to love someone who's acting unlovely. To choose to love someone not worthy of love in that moment. Love is a choice. Love is a decision. This is a large part of how Jesus loves us. Uh, the, the famous verse that you, you see people holding up signs at football games, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, or in other words, God loved the world in this way. He sent his son to die on the cross. That's the action, the choice, the decision that God made through Jesus and with Jesus to express love. And we know that the greatest love ever expressed in the world was on the cross when Jesus chose to die for sinners, to pay the price for the very people that were putting him on the cross. It's the greatest, most scandalous act of love that the world has ever seen. Jesus died to make his enemies his brothers and sisters. So we have that love in the past, but we also have this ongoing love in which Jesus continues to work in us through the Holy Spirit. In the passage in John that we read, it's, it's translated as helper, I will send another helper. Um, that, that word is also used to, and can be translated as advocate. 
um, the advocate. And what that was referring to, especially in that time, had kind of a, a courtroom setting idea. An advocate was someone who would stand with an accused as a witness, either like a character witness or a witness of what happened in defense. They can give an account in defense of the accused. And so that's part of what is being said here is that Jesus is in our corner, is, is advocating for you. Um, and we know where Jesus is and who he's advocating to. Uh, every, every week that we do communion, we say the Apostles' Creed. And we know that Jesus is seated or seated at the right hand of the Father. At the right hand of the Father, that position of the highest council. And Jesus is standing there as our character witness, as our defense witness. So not only does he die on the cross to pay for our sins, but he's sitting at the throne with his Father on our behalf, advocating for us, praying for us. And he does this because we know that Jesus hates sin. Jesus hates sin so much that he was willing to die on the cross to pay for it. And he hates the effect that sin has on his beloved. It kills and destroys and decays. And Jesus loves us in such a way that he's willing to enter into that grief and that pain and that destruction. Because his spirit is dwelling within us and we are so united with Jesus this way, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is grieved by our pain, grieved by our sin. Jesus experiences the pain and destruction that we experience because he dwells within us. And because Jesus loves us so much, he is unwilling to allow us to remain in that sinful state, in that season of sin, in that destruction, destructive pattern. And so that's where we see the third benefit, is that Jesus is able to transform us. Human counselors... Uh, are limited by their humanity. Um, one of the ways in the Old Testament that you see the word um, counselor used, you, you can use it as a noun, you can use it as a verb, all sorts of weird languagey things. Um, and it's, it's translated to say things like uh, conspired or planned or purposed. So there's this, this notion that the counselor is trying to cause action or cause a plan to come into play. But because human counselors are limited, the counselor himself cannot actually cause any change. As a youth pastor, I can talk till I'm blue in the face, but it's up to, I can't change a student's heart. I can't change a student's um, understanding. Right, it's the same as a parent. 
as much as we wish we could cause our children to think differently, we don't have the power to do that. We can only advise. But that's why we have to understand the good news that Jesus is not just a counselor. He is wonderful counselor. Jotter, our third favorite Brazilian, behind Louisa and Benjamin, uh, last week preached on wonderful and what that means. And what we know about God is that he is worthy of wonder because he is greater than us. He's not limited by us or as we are. He acts and is capable of acting outside of our many, many limitations. And because he is the wonderful counselor, he is able to redeem us from our past sins. He is able to counsel and transform our daily life, day after day after day. Like the Bible says that he literally transforms our heart, gives us a new heart, a new mind. And eventually he is preparing us for an eternity of perfection. We will receive a new body. Jesus is the wonderful counselor that not only gives advice but can transform us slowly from the inside. Changing our hearts, changing our minds, enacting real change in our lives. This is good news and, it's, and there's bad news which is really good news. We, because of the state that we live in, the world that we live in, a lot of times truth hurts. Being told and, and having truth revealed to us is painful at times because a lot of times truth reveals where we were wrong, where we were striving without purpose. And we don't like to have to admit wrong. We don't like to have to admit that things need to be done in different ways. Truth hurts and change is hard. Our sin has made us very stubborn, made us not want to have to do things differently outside of our comfort zone. And that's the harsh reality of, of living in this state as we wait for glory, that sin still hurts us, and Jesus is still going to transform us. But the beauty in that, we know, comes from Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who believe. Jesus is working in us, challenging us, transforming us for his glory and for our good. And there are times that it's not going to feel like that. But we know that he is the wonderful counselor that is using every aspect of our lives, our success, our failures, our pain, our peace, to teach us something, to reveal truth to us more and more. Now, as I said at the beginning, there are many things that are going to be vying for your mind and your heart. There are many voices that will be speaking into you on a daily basis. And I think a lot of us if not all of you know what I'm talking about. There was a time um, 
where I was struggling with having a lot of those negative voices speaking into my heart and my mind. Um, in between the time that I graduated from seminary and was preparing for ordination, I, I struggled very, very deeply. I was struggling with doubt, with feelings of failure, um, just struggling very deeply. And I, I always remember there, uh, there's one of the men that I would consider my counselor, my earthly counselor, um, said something to me that, that resonated very, very deeply with me. Um, is he, we were together and he was actually praying for me. And then he prayed that in my struggle, the voice that I would hear would be the still, strong voice of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Truth. And for whatever reason, that just struck me as I began to think about all the nonsense I was listening to. All the untruths that I was buying into. All of the ways in which I was allowing myself to think that it was all up to me. Allowing myself back into that bondage of, of slavery, of sin. And so that, that's my prayer for us this morning. May the voice in your head, the voice of your life that you listen to be the one that has the power to do something about it. May we have and listen to the still, strong voice of the Spirit of Truth every day of our life. This is what is available to us because of the wonderful Counselor. There's no one else, there's nothing else that can do this for us. But in this child that is born unto us, we have that because he is the wonderful Counselor. Let us build our very lives upon that reality. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I confess that there are many times and many ways in which I flee truth and I follow after lies, lies that only hurt me and break me and destroy me. Lord, I confess of those. And I thank you for the love that you have shown and continue to do in me and in my life. But I pray that you would make very, very real to us the reality that is our existence. That your spirit dwells within us. That you know every ounce, every aspect of our thoughts and mind and heart and actions and everything that we do. But I pray that you would continue to redeem us. Continue to help us live out the reality that we are perfectly and eternally saved. And that we look and hope for the day that you return and bring us home to perfection. Lord, we know that this doesn't mean that we'll be free from suffering. But you give purpose to the suffering. You give love and security in the suffering. Lord, I pray that you would be the wonderful counselor to us that you have promised to be day in, day out, until you return. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.